Father, as we join together today, Lord, we just ask that you would lead us and direct us in decisions being made. Lord, we pray that we would be good examples to those around us, Lord, that our eyes would be open to the needs of those that are in our communities and that are in our church families and even our places of work. Father, we ask that you would direct this time together and just bless those, Lord, that need your touch during this time. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just wanted to start by uh, apologizing for our audio quality of last week and uh, for our Wednesday um, devotional. I just wanted to reiterate some of which was in that video as it wasn't real clear for some people and some people had stated they had a, a hard time understanding it. I did share a letter that we had sent out to our church family and um, I'd like to share that with you too. It says, Blessings to our family and friends of First Baptist Church. Not to sound like a cliche, but we are certainly in unprecedented times. As we have watched the events of this world unfold, and more recently close to home, we are faced with many decisions and challenges. Let me say that God is not taken by surprise. He knows exactly what is happening and exactly what is needed. And I believe we are being asked to stretch ourselves and to find new inventive ways to minister as a church during these challenging times. The opportunities abound to speak Christ into the lives and situations people are dealing with at this time. John 4.35 reminds us, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. I also caution that many are blaming or giving credit to Satan for what is happening. Remember, Satan can only do what God allows him to do. A number of people posted an article on Facebook this past week that I would like to share again. Your pastor has never pastored a church going through a pandemic before. When he opens, people are going to say he should have closed. When he closes, people are going to say he should have stayed open. When he shakes hands, people are going to say he has faith. When he shakes hands, people are going to say he's foolish. He's going to make some difficult decisions to protect the flock considering everything from your spiritual growth to legal liabilities that you aren't even thinking about. Every pastor believes that they pastor the most amazing group of people. Remember this, no one wants things to go as well at the church as your pastors. Your pastor needs your prayers and support right now. As the pastor of First Baptist Church, we're currently responding to this COVID-19 in the following ways. And please understand that this is not a vacation for your church leadership. We will actually be doing more, spending more, and using more resources than we probably ever have before. At this time, we're suspending physical church services, studies, and activities through April. Our leadership has taken into account multiple options and ideas, as well as being in prayer and searching the scriptures as a whole for direction. Our decisions are not based on Governor Evers' proclamations alone, but fully on what God's word says that gives direction to us regarding those governmental authorities that have made these proclamations. And we get that from Romans 13. I will address this more specifically following this letter. I will be addressing the scriptures brought to us for our consideration of them, and I would ask that each of you read Acts 2, 40-47, Acts 5, 27-29, 
Romans 13, 1 through 5, and Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. And I would also encourage that you read those um, in context also, um, not just the, the specific verses. But these are the verses that have been most often referred to us to address. And so we will address them and the reasons that we are making the decisions that we are. On the bright side, technology has empowered Christians today not to forsake the assembly of believers through historically unprecedented internet communication tools. We have Facebook, YouTube, DVDs, podcasts, FaceTime, Marco Polo, Zoom. There is also nothing that restricts careful visiting for those in need. But we have the obligation to follow the law insofar as it doesn't con contradict God's divine law. There are many facts and rumors going around about COVID-19. I do not understand all that is said other than this. It is a real virus. It is causing death and it is seemingly hardest on those that are 55 and over, especially if you have underlying health issues. It is thought to spread mainly from person to person and between people who are in close contact with one another within about six feet or so. The respiratory droplets produced when an affected person coughs or sneezes or when it is spread from contact with a contaminated surface or object. It may be possible that persons can get COVID-19 by touching a surface or object that has the virus on it and then touching their own mouth, nose, possibly their own eyes. So through all this, what we are distressing, again, and you've probably seen it everywhere and heard it everywhere, wash your hands frequently, try to practice the social spacing, uh, avoid large groups. Um, this is a chance really for us to develop the ministry of our church and to our members. Ministry opportunities might be as simple as having a couple people who can call on each other each day through the phone, uh, through Facebook, through some other time. Um, we could be asking each other for prayer requests. We could be praying over the phone. We can be sharing something that God has taught us from his word. And of course, there's always still physical visits if appropriate. We are planning to provide these Sunday morning messages on Facebook. And I've also thought about doing two to four shorter messages throughout the week instead of one longer one. Uh, our audio versions are going to be posted on our on our Facebook page. Uh, for those that have asked about uh, giving during this time, it's truly down our priority list, but um, if you want to, you can either mail it into the church um, or you can give it to a board member if there's a visit. Otherwise, um, let's just wait until we get back together as a church family. Remember to pray for those that are not only infected, but also affected by this virus. Pray for people's health, jobs that have been lost, families that are hungry, students out of school, businesses that have been closed or restricted, nursing homes and hospitals with restricted visitations, and even families that are separated. In times of crisis and social disruption, people look to the church for spiritual guidance and assurance that God is with us. We have a great opportunity to be a great example, and indeed God is with us. Even as churches are suspending services and other activities, the time to be present in our, in our communities is now. We want to be there and we want to be helpful. Recommended practices of social distancing offer up new opportunities for us to be the church. And that is indeed happening for us. So we just ask that as we look ahead that 
Um, we're excited about what God is doing. We're having some opportunities uh, in our church to do some things that we never thought that we would do. And we are planning on to continue to develop these and to carry them on into the next uh, phase when church even joins back together. Remember, this is not going to be the new norm. Uh, the Bible does teach us to join together as a body when we can. And so um, when this pandemic passes and we can join together, we still want to keep some of these outreach ministries going fully. Now, I've heard a lot of people talk about their rights as believers. I've seen some people that have gotten upset saying that the government can't tell us to do this. They can't tell us not to meet as a church. They can't close our businesses. They can't, they can't, they can't. And uh, I understand some of that thought. I mean, throughout history, rulers and dictators have taken away people's rights from time to time. Many parts of the world today, people can't even worship as they please or talk freely or, or gather in groups of friends or even travel. So it's important to know your rights and to stand up for yourself um, within those rights. We have the Bill of Rights, and we hear a lot about that. Um, we know what some of those rights are. The Bill of Rights was added to the Constitution in the form of amendments to protect us from certain things. The chief purpose of the amendments was to protect the rights of individuals from the government's interference. And you might say, well, they are interfering with my life right now. The Bill of Rights has guaranteed us rights such as religious freedom, freedom of the press, trial by jury, etc., the First Amendment, we know, was freedom of religion, freedom of speech in the press, the right to assemble, second, to keep and bear arms. The Ninth Amendment um, said because there are so many basic human rights, not all of them could be listed in the Constitution. So this amendment really means that the rights that are enumerated cannot infringe upon the rights that are not listed in the Constitution. So that means we have more rights than really what we know. The Tenth Amendment, of course, talks about powers not given to the federal government by the Constitution that belong to the states of the people. And so we see what is happening now is a state action. It's our governor of our state that has made this proclamation. Thirteenth was about slavery. We're not allowing that in the U.S. Nineteenth gave us gave women the, the rights to vote. So we have rights. Even the children have rights uh, as um, it is listed in the Constitution and through the Bill of Rights. Every child has a right to life. Every child has a right to a name at their birth and their nationality. The child has a right to an education. So human rights are very important things that we need to be aware of. There are things that people naturally deserve by the nature of their identity as human beings. But from an entirely biblical standpoint, our only right is that of eternal damnation because of our sin nature. As a believer, and we may have never thought about this, the Bible tells us in Romans that the wages of sin is death. So we know that that is our right. So that is where we are at as believers, is that we are lost without Christ. That needs to be our focus as we move forward to bring others into that saving grace of Jesus Christ. When seen from a Christian standpoint, human rights are what we should have by nature of being created in the image of God. But this is only rights are able to be multiplied. Use the earth and rule over animals, and those rights have been given to mankind and not even necessarily individuals. So the rights that he has given us is to multiply, to you know, have children, to have a family, to have children, as we have said, um, to use the earth, 
to just God's beauty, the nature of it all. We can use that and then to rule over the animals. But again, this was given to mankind and not necessarily individuals. So from a biblical standpoint, there's only what God has intended for us to have. When speaking of the rights in the Bible, God rarely mentions that we um, have rights that we should demand. Instead, he tells us what we are responsible for. And when we have that attitude, we look at things a little bit different. So he doesn't say you have the right to demand this, but he says you have the right to be responsible for these things. And so we are responsible to enforce justice, and we are responsible to extend mercy, maybe as Micah 6.8 says. And if everyone concentrated on what they were supposed to do, uh, right wouldn't be an issue. Again, as we look at the scriptures that have helped us to make the decision that we are making, um, I want us to just go through them very quickly. And so if you want to turn into Acts 2 in 40 through 47, it's a wonderful scripture. And it's a scripture about a vital church. And it's talking about this church that is growing. And it is growing exponentially. And it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing as we are looking at this. And it says, uh, and with many other words, um, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in the prayers. And so if you continue to read that, that's a, a verse that we looked at very carefully because this is what the believers were called to do, these four things. And as we looked at them in light of Governor Evers' proclamation, we saw that these things weren't being affected to a large degree. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means following God's word, being obedient to God's word. Again, as, as leaders of First Baptist Church and as Christians, we should be concerned with that primarily, following God's word. And again, uh, we're going to talk about Romans 13 in a moment, but that was one that really weighed heavily on us. And we are still able to do that. The, the proclamation given by the government at this time is not against the church it's as a community as a whole as a state as a whole and i really believe that uh, the government is doing this um, for protection of its people from this virus we can have a discussion of whether we believe it's right or wrong um, that's not up to us. They are our elected officials. We're called to obey them as long as it doesn't, again, hinder God's divine law. Um, but I really believe uh, the sincerity of the government to do this was not to just restrict people for a punishment purpose or for the sake of just restricting them, but it was done for uh, a safety cost. So we have that to, uh, to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We are doing that. And fellowship. Well, this is probably where it affects us the most because we're not being able to gather together as a body of believers right now. Uh, we can have some limited social interactions with people, but you know, there is a, a lot of ways now through technology that we can still have fellowship. Fellowship doesn't always mean sitting across the table from somebody, though that is very important. It doesn't mean always being in the presence of a person, again, though that is very important. But we can have fellowship by talking on the phone, by using some of these technology um, 
options that are out there as Marco Polo, as Zoom, as, as Facebook or FaceTime. Uh, we have the opportunity still to have some fellowship together, um, but we just need to be cautious on this. And I tell people we don't need to be in fear. Um, we just need to be respectful and we just need to understand and look for those opportunities. So we still have the opportunity to have some fellowship. I go into um, a restaurant for my takeout meal. I'm still able to say hi to somebody. How are you doing? How are things going? Uh, they're able to ask those same things to me. So there is some face-to-face -face contact. And again, we can get on the phone whenever we want to. Um, and we can text. Uh, we can uh, call. We can do whatever. So the fellowship is still happening there. And then it says in the breaking of bread. Now, sometimes people have understood this to mean communion. Um, I do not believe that in this scenario that it was talking about communion. In biblical times, um, breaking bread with somebody or having a meal with somebody was a very important thing, a very uh, intimate way of, of having relationship. We are still able to do that. Again, you know, you want to use some caution. You want to, um, again, be respectful of, of people as you do this. But we had some good friends over the other day and, and we had a meal together and uh, we talked and we prayed about different things that God is doing. So again, we're not in those large groups, but um, we can still have uh, some of that breaking the bread together. Um, as far as the communion aspect, if one of our members needs communion or would desire communion, um, I am more than willing to go and fulfill that uh, as their pastor. So again, I encourage any one of you, if, if you would like communion, let me know and we will handle that in, in a way that we can. So the breaking of bread is, is still happening. And we also see in prayers. Well, there's nothing that is preventing us from prayers. And as a matter of fact, we should be in more prayer now than maybe that we ever have been. So pray for one another, pray for each other as you talk with somebody on the phone, as you uh, text with somebody or communicate, however you do, uh, let them know that you're praying for them. If you have prayer needs, let us know. Our church has a phone tree where we can record prayer requests. We can get those out to the members so others can pray. So um, as we look at that, uh, at that text of Acts 2, we see this vital church that is growing. And we really believe that we will still be able to grow through this period of time, even though we are not gathering as a physical body for uh, the fellowship at this time. We're finding some other ways that we can do it. If you turn over a couple pages to Acts 5, 27 through 29, this is another one that has been brought up to us. And this is when the apostles were on trial and uh, the officers came and they had, had beat them and they had told them, you know, you can't talk about uh, Jesus. And, you know, they were locked up in prison. And it says, and when they had brought them, uh, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them, did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. So some people are using this verse that oh, we're to obey God rather than man. This has nothing to do with gathering as a body of believers. Again, the government hasn't said we cannot preach Jesus. They have not said that we cannot 
share the gospel with those that are around us. And again, there's many ways that we can do this. We can do this by mail. We can do this by technology. We can do this over the phone. There's many ways that we can do that. What they were telling them here was that the government authorities were telling them to do something that was contrary to God's divine law. Now, God has told us that we are to proclaim his name, that we are to share the gospel, that we're to go out into the world and and uh, share the saving message of Jesus Christ, to be saved uh, by grace through faith. And so nothing hinders us from doing that. Again, there is many, many ways that we can do that. So as we looked at that first, we really thought that doesn't apply really to this proclamation that our state has made at this time either. Uh, one of the other verses is in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. And as we look at that, uh, that section is basically talking about holding fast to our confession. And so it tells us this in 23 through 25. And again, I want to encourage you to um, read before and after this so you get the whole context of it. I don't want to be uh, accused of picking this certain uh, scriptures out read it as a whole but it says let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching so what we see here is really there were some believers that had began to stray from the church. When they're talking about do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together, that's a very powerful verse. It's a verse I use many times with people who just sort of are walking their life and they're professing Christianity, but they don't see the need of gathering as a body of believers. I will say that. We're not supposed to forsake the gathering of ourselves together in that way, but that's talking about somebody who is maybe in a backslidden state, somebody that is sort of drifting away from the faith, because we know as believers, when people begin to get sucked in by the world or they're going through difficulties sometimes in life, uh, they tend to drift away from the church. So this is really talking about holding fast to your confession. You know, when we are going through difficult times, when we are struggling with sin in our life, that's when we need the body of believers more than ever. And again, what has uh, been stated to us as a state here in Wisconsin uh, is not telling us that um, we can't share that gospel. We can share that gospel. They're not telling us we can't preach Jesus. They're not telling us to uh, forsake our faith to make a choice. Um, so that verse we said really doesn't apply at this point because this is talking to those that were, were drifting a little bit from faith during their difficult times. And I want to say that probably when this all gets over, I think really I believe that there's going to be a great hunger for the church and people are going to be very excited to get back to church. But there are going to be some that have maybe become comfortable just watching it at their convenience and from their home. Those people at that time, I would say, hey, you need the body. We need the physical interaction. This is a season in our Christian life right now. This is a season for the state of Wisconsin. This is a season for the church. And so when the season is over, I don't even say that we'll get back to normal because I hope we don't get back to normal. But I hope that we begin to gather together again as we used to. But we take all the lessons that we've learned now and continue to apply them and continue to reach out in whatever ways that we can. 
Our last verse that I wanted to share was in Romans 13. And it's basically the first five verses or so. It says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment unto themselves. For the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For his, um, excuse me, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. And so we looked at that. And we really thought that's at the point that we are at. The government here is really trying to do, I believe, something good by keeping people healthy, keeping people from getting infected, uh, buying us some time until a vaccine can be found. And, and I want us to think about that because there's something there about our conscience sake. I would hate to be the one that was just out like a rebel mind, uh, wandering the streets, going here, going there, and then to someday find out that maybe I was the cause of somebody getting this disease or I was the cause to bring this disease into my house. I don't want to have that upon myself. And it tells us here that we need to be subject to the governing authorities because God has placed each of these authorities over us. We need to understand the sovereignty of God in what he has done. And therefore, it says, whoever resists the authorities is resisting the ordinance of God. You're not just fighting against the government if you choose to um, do your own thing. You are actually resisting God, I believe, according to this word. So, you know, if we do what is good, we do what is right. You know, I don't think that there's anybody that I'm going to speak to here today that uh, wants to see anybody get sick or wants to jeopardize anybody's life. So we do what is reasonable to try to prevent those things. And, and that's important. Again, without forsaking a lot of the things that we still can do through social media, through some limited uh, personal interactions, and just practicing some of these precautions that we need. You know, I, I think about this that, you know, if we go out today just because we need to understand that there are people that are dying in the hospitals, that are dying in nursing homes alone because their family can't be with them, because they're isolated from them right now because of this. We don't want to be a part of the problem. We want to be a part of the solution. And a part of the solution is, from the worldly standpoint, is washing our hands, trying to be hygienic, trying to keep some of that social distancing going there. But we also want to be responsible in praying for people, in proclaiming the gospel, and, and looking for these opportunities because the opportunities are tremendous at this time. I, I just want to encourage you, they are tremendous. Wherever you look, whatever discussions you're getting into, people are looking and, and they're looking for answers and they're looking for things and, and there's fear in their eyes over this disease and you know, we understand that there's much more that lies beyond this life. Not that any one of us wants to go now, but that we have a hope that supersedes this life. And so people are terrified because they're hearing of people dying, and we have the answer for them. 
So let's speak that hope into their life. Let's speak that hope of, of Jesus Christ and what he can do for us in our time. So let me just close. I've carried on a little bit longer than I planned to today. Let me just close with a word of prayer. Father, you are always present with us. We are mindful of those who have gone before us, Lord. We are mindful of those that are around us, and we are mindful of these times in which we live. There's uncertainty, there is anxiety, there is fear that are present among us. And as we listen to and care for one another these days, Lord, give us the words of hope to share, and that that hope is in Jesus Christ. We ask that your peace and that your healing presence be with us as we pray for and hold each other up in love. We ask for your guidance and your direction as we live out your command to love one another as we are called to love you. We ask this in the name of Jesus who has called us and prepared us for these challenging days. We pray this in the one and only name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Please be blessed, and we will talk with you soon.